This morning out of the book of Luke, chapter number 4, verse number 18, we're going to allow for our children to be dismissed to children's church this morning while you're finding your text. Harper's got a birthday coming up. Hudson had a birthday this week. Everly had a birthday this week. And we had a lot of a lot of happy birthdays. Madeline's not here, but she had a birthday yesterday. A lot of birthdays. <laughs> I don't know how excited he is about going to children's church. <laughs> He's a Lord. He feels about children's church like some people feels about me preaching. Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want to preach to you on the essential, a singular, the essential of a spirit-filled life. Amen. Why does God so desire to fill us with his spirit? I want to preach to you about that today. This is the conclusion of a series of messages that we've been preaching on. Uh, I, I preach with God's help on uh, the four dimensions of the spirit-filled life. And this will be the conclusion of that series. And I, I titled it The Essential of a spirit-filled life. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we do ask and pray and believe that you'll touch us, help us, anoint us to preach the gospel this morning. You'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what the Spirit would say unto us, your church. Lord, you knew who would be here today. You ordained this service for us. And I pray, Lord, that you'll touch every heart, every life. God, that you'll meet every need. That you'll move around this altar and some no doubt are in need of miracles, some that can't be here. Need you to move beyond these four walls and to touch. Lord, we pray for those that are sick and out this morning in need of a miracle in their body. You're a miracle worker. You're a way maker. You're our present help in a time of trouble. God, would you help this morning? We ask it together in Christ's name. You love the Lord, would you save me? The essential of a spirit field. Life. This is Jesus speaking in our text this morning. And it was his testimony. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Jesus Christ, Jesus being his name as the man, but Christ being his title. Christ is a term that means the anointed one. And truly without Jesus, there is no anointing. If you ever desire or seek the anointing of the Lord upon your life, you, you must seek the Lord. And it's his hand that must be upon you. It's his spirit that must be abiding in you and flowing and working through you. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 27, it says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, the people of Israel were gathered together 
Even the disciples declared him to be the anointed one. And then in Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus is the anointed one, but if he abides in you, then his desire is for you to be anointed. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 21, Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. And then in Hebrews 1 and 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. How does God anoint us with the Holy Ghost. Well, we, we, we have been preaching on the many ways and aspects in which the Spirit of God moves in our life uh, as he fills us with his Spirit. And when we preach on a Spirit-filled life, uh, this is the essential for, uh, or the essential of a Spirit-filled life is so that God may anoint you for his service and for his purpose in the earth. There, there's a greater reason than for you to be spirit-filled than just to feel good. It feels good to feel the Spirit of God. It does. There's no feeling like it on planet Earth. I, I've not found one. I, I love to be in the house where the Spirit of God is moving. I love to be in an altar where the Spirit of God is moving. In a worship service where the Spirit of God is moving. Setting under anointed preaching and the Spirit of God be moving. There's no feeling like that in the world, but uh, what are we when that feeling is gone? Well, hopefully, you're as anointed when you leave the house of God as you felt like you were when you were in the house of God. Amen. With the, how does God anoint us? Well, the scripture makes that clear with the Holy Ghost and with power. How that, how that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And this is the result of being anointed who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So how does God anoint us with the Holy Ghost? And with power. That's the same way that God anoints you and I. The way that he anointed Jesus. Who went about doing good. That's the byproduct of the anointing. It is our going about and doing good or doing the will of God. As believers, God desires to fill all of us with the anointing. I know we think that only preachers are anointed. That's not true. We think that only singers and musicians are anointed. That's not true. We think that only teachers can be anointed. That's not true. All believers are called to be anointed. Anointed of the Holy Ghost. As believers, God desires to fill all of us with his anointing. The Bible said these signs shall follow them that believe. And if you're going to have signs and wonders follow after your life. If signs and wonders are going to make up your testimony, you need the anointing. 
Your life should be anointed as a believer. Your preaching should be anointed if you're a preacher. Your prayers should be anointed when you kneel to pray. Your worship should be anointed when you praise the Lord. We've reduced the anointing down to a feeling of excitement, yeah. but the anointing is so much more than a feeling. That's right. Job was as much of a threat to the devil when sickness and sores and disease covered his body as he was uh, when he felt good. <coughs> Jesus was as anointed in the wilderness and upon the cross as he was when he was glowing on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says the, the, that the anointing abides in us. It's more than a feeling, more than, than a, an emotion. The anointing is a state of being in Jesus Christ, meaning abiding in him. I'm thankful every time I feel anointed. But the anointing is still present when I don't feel anointed. I felt sick before and preached the gospel and somebody gets saved. My voice has been so bad before that I could only speak above a whisper and somebody received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not how I feel. It's who abides in me. That determines whether I'm anointed or not. The Holy Ghost field, anointed man or woman, is the greatest threat to the devil this world has ever known anything about. In Acts 4 and 33, and with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now the enabling grace of God is the anointing. And that grace was upon the disciples and the apostles. And the Bible said with great power gave they witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They proved he was alive yeah. with the works that followed. When they preached, they said, these men have been with Jesus. The same spirit that was upon the Lord is upon them. Yeah. How do they have such wisdom? How do they expound the scripture? How do they work the works that they work? They were ignorant and unlearned men, but they were anointed yeah. men. Right. Amen. Great power uh, was upon them to give witness of the resurrection. Now, now we're a week removed from Easter Sunday. And we're a little less in number here this morning, but I'm glad the Lord is still alive yeah. even though it's not Easter Sunday. Yeah. And he's going to need, until next Easter Sunday, he's going to need people that walk out of these doors and prove him alive, not just on holiday weekends. They prove him alive with their life, with their words, and with their actions every day of their life. First John 2 and 27, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. This verse is telling us 
that it is the anointing that convinces us that Jesus is the Lord. Men can debate, but you'll never convince a Muslim with your theology or your debate that Jesus is the Lord. You just won't. He's convinced of his false doctrine. It takes the anointing to destroy the yoke off of his life. It takes the witness of the Holy Ghost to convince a sinner that they're lost and in need of Jesus. It does. It takes the anointing to make the scales fall off the eyes of somebody who can't see spiritually that they're lost. It it, it takes more than my ability to teach. More than my ability just to share the gospel. That's, That's what preaching is. Is sharing the gospel. It takes uh, the anointing. That's right. Isaiah said, and because of the anointing, the yoke shall be destroyed. Uh Listen, you can debate with a Jehovah's Witness. Stand on the porch and talk to them all day. They're there trying to score points and climb the ladder in their denomination. They don't want to hear what you got to say for every scripture they give you or I give them. They tell me the King James Version is a flawed version of the Bible. I say, well, if you won't hear the Word of God, you just won't hear. But I've realized it takes the anointing to destroy that kind of yoke of bondage off of somebody's life. Let a man or a woman be anointed. That anointing will destroy the yoke and then allow men to see Christ. This anointing abides in me, the Bible says. I'm convinced that the gospel is the truth. And the abiding anointing has convinced me of it. It has convinced me also that I must abide in Jesus and not go looking for something else. There's a lot of entertainment industry in the church today. There is, and it takes the anointing of the Holy Ghost at work in my life so that I don't go chasing down that rabbit trail. Because every preacher wants a bigger church. We want a bigger church. And the world says if you want people to stay, then you need to provide them with what they're looking for. Well, if they're looking for Jesus, then the anointing will provide that. If they need healing, the answer is Jesus. If they need restoration, maybe their home's broken. Maybe they're in a relationship that needs to be healed. If that needs fixing in their life, then Jesus is the answer. They're divorced, I can tell you Jesus is the answer. They're single, Jesus is the answer. They're married, Jesus is the answer. If they're young or if they're old, Jesus is the answer. I've carried the same gospel and preached under the same anointing overseas and watched miracle after miracle after miracle and preach it here and have people rub the sleep out of their eyes. I can chase something that'll entertain them or I can just choose. God, I want to abide in Christ and I want the anointing 
to abide in me, to convince me of the truth, to convince me what is important in my life and what I need to be doing with my life. If not, you'll go off the rails. The Bible said this anointing abides in you so that you'll abide in him. You'll stay on course. If you're anointed, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. He said this anointing abides in you. He said you don't have any need that a man should teach you. If this anointing abides in you, you ain't got to have me to ride down the road in the car with you to tell you what kind of music you ought to listen to. If the anointing abides in you, you don't need me to ride around with you and tell you you can't go in the bar rooms. If the anointing abides in you, you don't need me when you're surfing online looking for something to tell you to stay off of pornography. When the anointing abides in you, you don't need, you know, blinders on your eyes to keep you from lusting after somebody that's not your spouse. You don't have need of that because the anointing abides in you. He's making you an overcomer. This verse is telling us that it is the anointing that convinces us that Jesus is the Lord. And the anointing abides in me. And because of that, I'm convinced that the gospel is the truth and that I am to abide in him so that I won't run off course. And if your anointing allows you to shout on Sunday and fornicate on Monday, then you're not anointed. I don't care how good the worship leader is. If he's living in fornication, he's lost. And he's not anointed to lead worship. He is an entertainer. The world is filled with entertainers. There are gospel groups, southern gospel groups, that are entertainers, but they're not anointed. They're secular, contemporary, Christian artists that are entertainers, but they're not anointed. And if I could ever explain to you the difference, Jesus said, many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, we've done many great things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Go and serve the one you serve while on the earth. There was no anointing in their life. The anointing keeps you. Yeah. The anointing causes you to abide in Him. That's right. And if you're anointed, His works will follow you. Yes, You'll live holy. That's right. Yeah. You'll live right. Yes. If your anointing allows you to feel excited in church and then watch pornography after you get home, you're not anointed. In John 14 and 16, He said, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is the same anointing that James was referring to. He shall be in you. This abiding 
anointing is in you. The Spirit of God, He is the anointing of God, the Holy Ghost. Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He had anointed me. The Spirit of God is the anointing upon your life. Why does God want to fill me with the Holy Ghost? So that I can feel good. So that I can preach good. So that I can sing good. God wants you to be full of the Holy Ghost so that you'll live an anointed life. You will be an anointed vessel of God. That you'll destroy the yoke off of sinners' lives. Whether that's preaching or singing or witnessing on the job or living in front of your lost spouse or living in front of your lost son or daughter or grandchild. God wants your life to be anointed. Yes, sir. Sister Bird shared a testimony of a, a woman was coming to their church and she came to the altar one night grieved. She said, I've been coming to church for years and my husband's lost. And he just won't come to church. I just can't convince him to come to church. He gives me a hard time over paying my tithe or giving the missions. He gives me a hard time if we have a fellowship dinner. Those are my groceries and you're, you know, feeding people up there at that church. She said, my life is so hard. Because my husband fights against me in everything I try to do for God. And Sister Bird said we got a prayer cloth out and anointed it. I asked the church to come. She said we're going to anoint this prayer cloth. We're going to pray for your husband. And when you get home, you don't say anything to him about it. And you put this prayer cloth, whatever side of the bed he sleeps on, put it under the mattress. So I'm praying that the anointing of the Holy Ghost will break his heart over the way he's acting, the way he's living, and that he'll come to church with you and get saved. She said, two weeks later, I was reading my text and looked up, and there he come. There he come through the door. She said, when I got through preaching, he walked down the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus. He became one of the best members and the hardest workers in their church. Right. Hallelujah. That's what the anointing is for. Right, right. It's to destroy the yoke off the lives of men and women that are bound by sin. So, if Christ is in us, we're to be anointed with his same power because he is the anointed one. Yeah. We're to work his works. Somebody said, wow, that was a great message. Uh, well, Jesus is the message. And Jesus is really the preacher. Yeah. The apostle said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet the life, uh, it's not I that lives, but it's uh, Christ that lives in me. And the life that I'm living in the flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So really, when he preached, it was Christ preaching. That's right. When he laid hands on the sick, it was really Christ uh, laying his hands on the sick. Right. Oh, when he prayed for him to receive the Holy Ghost, uh, he said, He, Jesus Christ, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It was really Christ uh, laying hands on him. We're to work his works. 
If Christ is still a healer, then he's going to pray an effectual, fervent prayer through somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost and he will anoint them to heal the sick. Here lies the purpose of our message. The essential of a spirit-filled life. God wants to anoint this vessel. Amen. Right. I can tell you it costs. The anointing costs. Right. You know in the Old Testament, the anointing was produced by what the Bible called an apothecary. Yeah. An apothecary was somebody who went out and collected all the different herbs and spices, gathered up all the ingredients that he would need and he would carry them back into a room, whether he would have to crush the olives, he would have to grind the herbs and crush the spices, mix them all together, and God said that, that all of that whole concoction would be called an holy anointing oil. And he said there would be no other oil like it on the earth. It was not to be replicated. There were to be no cheap knockoffs. No, you know, I don't know what you'd call Generic brands of it. And that it would never be poured on the flesh. That said something. The anointing is not for the flesh. It's for the spiritual. It's for the born again. It's for the redeemed. It's for those that walk in the spirit. That apothecary, it, it, sometimes it would take him weeks or maybe even months of dedicated searching, digging, going, traveling to, to gather all the necessary ingredients. He wasn't out kicking the soccer ball. He was going after the anointing. Yeah. Oh, he said, Brother Edward said, kicking the soccer ball is a sin. No, I didn't. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that'd rather kick a soccer ball than they would to be anointed. Yeah. Playing baseball ain't a sin. There's a lot of boys that would rather play baseball than be anointed. Right. And I coach baseball. But I try to often tell them, this is a game. But God's called you to live a life. This game is going to be short-lived. But you're going to need Jesus when you step off this field. And when your playing time is over, it's going to be Christ that defines your life. Not how many home runs you hit. It costs Jesus, the Son of Man, as well as the Son of God. To be anointed. And if it cost Christ. It will cost you. Jesus had to deny himself. And so will you. If you want to be anointed. He denied himself in Gethsemane. He denied himself on the cross at Calvary. You'll have to deny yourself. You'll have to pray. Even when you don't feel like praying. I know there's a lot of people. That want to work and want to do and want to help. And that's called ministry. But do you know you can do all the stuff. You can go through all the mechanics of ministry and not 
be anointed. This is preaching that a lot of preachers ain't going to preach to you because they want you to help. I want you to help. I want you to work. We need anointed custodians. <laughs> Amen. I say that because very few people are going to sign up to scrub the toilets. Vacuum the carpet. Clean up in the kitchen after everybody has ate. Those are jobs that a lot of people don't want. You even you can do those jobs and not be anointed. You can play instruments. You can sing on the platform. And God Himself knows you can so-called preach and not be anointed. I can tell you it costs Christ. Before he done anything, he prayed. Before he ever chose a disciple, he spent all night in prayer. Right. You ever spent all night in prayer? Sometimes you'll have to right. if you want to be anointed. Right. You'll have to pray when you don't feel like praying. You'll have to take up your cross and deny your own feelings. In Psalms 113 and verse 5, Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? Do you know that God is so holy that he has to humble himself even to look on the things that are going on in heaven and in the earth? That's pretty holy. If you're so holy, you have to humble yourself to look at what somebody else is doing. Only God is that holy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the Bible said, not only did God humble himself to look on the affairs of men, he humbled himself and became a man. Let this mind be in you. You're going to have to humble yourself. If you want to be anointed because God resists the proud, it'll cost you your pride to be anointed. Who cares about pride? Somebody else got to preach the camp meeting this year, Brother Eddie. They didn't ask you to come. Who cares? I pastor a church. I preach all the time. I'm not in a preaching competition. I'm not trying to see if I can out-preach anybody else. I'm not the politicking to preach at district council or any other council. I'm striving to be anointed. I'm striving for God's hand to be upon my life. I'm striving to abide in Him. And so I can hear Him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I'm striving that when I walk into the hospital room, the Erica Robinsons can get well. I'm striving that when I pray for your lost son and daughter, the scale falls from their eye and they see that they need Jesus. That's what matters to me. I'm not in a competition. Who cares about stinking pride? Let this mind be in you. It'll cost you your pride. This gospel, this church, this message is not about you. It's about him. Yeah, right. Who cares if you were singing when the Holy Ghost fell? Let him fall. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. 
Who cares whose classroom is the biggest uh, or runs the most students? Uh, Lord, bring them in. Who cares where revival happens at? Oh, God, we need revival. Send it, I pray. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He had no home, no car, no earthly possessions. He had none of these things, but he had all power in heaven and in earth. He was anointed. Jesus gave himself to prayer and fasting, and so will you to be anointed. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrow. He endured grief and sorrow and brokenheartedness, and so will you if you're going to be anointed. If you ever at once began to seek God's anointing in your life, if you ever at once desire to be so full of the Holy Ghost uh, that you're the vessel of God, that you're anointed, that you're that the touch of God is upon your life. Get ready. Somebody is going to break your heart. Somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody is going to go behind your back. Uh, who cares? Uh, I want God's touch uh, upon my life. Jesus had all of those things done to him and yet he was the anointed one of God. He didn't throw his hands up. I, I quit. I quit. I'm going back home. I'm going back to heaven to my father. Forget all of you. Nope. He was the anointed one. No, the anointing will help you to forgive. That's what he done. He gave up his commonality. What's that? Jesus Christ was the anointed one. He couldn't just be one of the guys. He had to be holy. You know the priest of the Old Testament had to live, the high priest in the Old Testament had to live every day in preparation for one day. You think about that. He's living every day in preparation for one day when I'm going to enter into the holy of holies and stand before the mercy seat and a thrice holy God is going to come down. And if I am not holy, I'm going to die. Jesus couldn't be one of the guys. He wasn't trying to gain most popular, most likely to succeed. None of those things. He had one task in mind. Mm -hmm. Lo, I am come, it is written of me in the volume of the book, I am come to do thy will, O God. He is the Holy One. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. That's what the, the anointed one means, the sanctified one or the holy one. He that's set apart for God's use of purpose. He that's consecrated holy unto God. He that is anointed of God to do the will of God. That's what it means. And if you're anointed, then that's what the, it'll mean for you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not yours to do with what you want. 
I, I, I try to take care of this body. The reason being is God's. And you can cut it short. You cut your life short. You can do God's will to the best of your ability. And God will help you. Or you can go it your way and cut your life short. And when you stand before him, God will say, Oh, what you could have done. Oh, the things that you could have seen. Oh, what I could have wrought through you, but I couldn't. Now what he said, oh, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you unto myself, but you wouldn't let me. He told him, you missed the day of your visitation because you missed the anointed one in your life. And that priest in the Old Testament had to live holy or else when he went into the holy place, he would die. Ephesians 4 and 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord you hear that? Paul considered himself a servant of God. The word servant is literally interpreted a slave or a prisoner. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. He just said, simply said, I'm the servant of God. Beseech you that ye, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Walk worthy of the title of the anointing. Yeah. I know preachers, my God, that don't live nothing. If it bothers me, I can't imagine how bad it bothers God. Well, why does it bother you? Because it hurts the whole kingdom, that's why. When you see one that don't live nothing, I'm in the same organization they're in. That's what we all are. When one falls into into sin, moral failure, then that's what every preacher is. When one preacher's only in it to, for the offerings, send in your love offering, and I'll send you a blessing in the mail. Well, that's what every preacher is, according to the world. That's why it bothers me. Obviously, it bothers God because he said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I beg you, I implore you, I plead with you that you walk worthy of the vocation. Vocation is a job or a calling wherewith you're called. If you're called to be the anointed of God, then live like it. Talk like it. Walk like it. Work like it. Ephesians 4 and 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. That from now on you live different than everybody else around you. Hallelujah. Woo! You preaching now, Brother Eddie. We're talking about what it'll cost you to be anointed. You're going to have to live holy if God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God is going to anoint you with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to live holy. And if you'll be anointed, he'll give you power to be holy. That's right, man. He'll give you power to walk right and talk right and to do right. He said, henceforth or from now on that you walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling 
have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. Ye have not so learned to live like that as you have abode in the anointing of God. As the anointed one has abode in you, that's not what he's been teaching you. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation. Conversation there in the Greek don't mean talking. It's not a dialogue. Conversation means a life or a lifestyle or the way you live. That you put off concerning the former life or the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, or let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands that thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That is how to be anointed. That's right. We've seen how the Spirit is likened unto the wind. And the wind or the breath of God's spirit blows upon us. To what end? That we might be anointed. We've seen how the spirit burns in us as a fire. Cleansing, purging, changing. To what end? That we might be anointed. We've seen how the spirit fills us as with new wine. How? Affecting and influencing every aspect of our life. To what end that we might be anointed? And we've seen how the Spirit flows from us and through us like rivers of living water, giving life to all it touches. To what end that we might be anointed? No person was fit to serve in God's kingdom without being anointed. No priest could serve in the temple until he had been anointed. No king was allowed to lead God's people until he had been anointed. Not even a vessel could be used in the house of God without being anointed. It costs us our old sinful life in order to be saved. We were crucified with Christ. It costs us our time, our will, and our devotion in order to be filled 
with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And it'll cost us everything to be the anointed of God. I want God to use me. I want God to anoint me. I want this body to be his temple. I want this life to be his vessel. I want my hands to work his hands. I want these lips to speak his words. And I want this heart of mine to house his anointing. I want to be able to testify with the apostle. I am crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. You quote that and it never be your testimony. Or you can seek God in an altar and say, whatever it costs me, Lord, I want to be the anointed. I want your hand upon my life. I want my life to be the vessel of God. I desire to be full of the Holy Ghost. I desire the anointing to destroy the yoke of those that are bound by sin all around me. It's a hospital full of people right down the road need you to be anointed yeah. like they need that doctor to graduate medical school. Yeah. Right. Amen. I ain't going to let no witch doctor work on him. Mm -mm. He's got to have a PhD behind his name in order to practice medicine. He's going to have to know a little bit of something about what he's doing. And they just as desperately need you to be anointed. You can lip some words and call it a prayer. They need you to know the one you're talking to. That's right. They need you to be the walking fulfillment of the scripture. These signs will follow them that believe they'll lay their hands upon the sick. They shall recover. That ain't for everybody. That's for the anointed. So you got a choice this morning. We've preached about it for weeks now. The dimensions of a spirit-filled life. We're all Pentecostal in our theology. A spirit-filled doctrine don't run us off or scare us away. But God, I want to be what I know to be the truth. I want to be the embodiment. I want to be a living epistle known and read of all men. I if Pentecost is doctrine and it is, then I want to be Pentecostal. I want to be spirit-filled. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Yes. And I want to be anointed. Yes. If the book of Acts has no amen in it, then I want to be included yes. in the pages of that book right. as working the works of God. The acts of the apostles are not over as of yet. You're still working and moving and flowing through a church. An anointed vessel. I want to be included. I want to be one. That your hand rests upon to use. To minister to this world. Curse if you'll come help me. All over the house. If you're able to stand. This morning. 
first things first, if you're in this house and you've never been born again, you're not saved, you don't know the Lord. I've said this often, but there's never a Pentecost without a Calvary. You can't be filled if you're not saved. This is not poured out upon flesh, but upon the Spirit. We've got to be born of the Spirit of God. The only way we can do that is to repent of our sin. To confess Christ as Lord, and Lord means more than a Savior. I need Him to forgive me, that's true. But as Lord, I need to Acknowledge that, Lord, what your word says, then that will I obey. God, in order for you to do that, I not only need forgiveness of sin, I need you to change me. I need there to be a change in my heart, in my life. I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my mind. I need you to change the way I think, the way I see, the way I hear, the way I speak, what I love versus what I hate, things that entertain me that were sinful, those things I don't ever want to be entertained by again. Those things that gave me pleasure that were sinful, I want those things to repulse me. You're going to have to change me for that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things have become new. God, I want you to make me a new creature. If you're here and you're already saved, your prayer needs to be, God, I want to be an anointed vessel. I want you to fill my heart and life with your spirit. I want your hand to rest upon me. I want you to, I want you to pour your spirit in me. I want you to flow through me. And God, whatever that costs me, whatever I need to lay down, whatever I need to take on, however long, it takes and whatever time I need to spend. If it costs me my commonality, I can't just be one of the boys anymore. In order to be a man of God or a vessel of God, then that's what I've been called to be. That's what I've been chosen to be. This body was purchased at Calvary. It was redeemed by the blood for the sole purpose of being full, full of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, that's what I surrender to this morning. That's what I desire from you this morning. Feel me, Lord. Feel me, Lord. Feel me, Lord. Let me be your anointed. That's your prayer. Would you meet me in the, in the altar this morning? Let us seek the Lord together.